0: All right. Good morning, everybody. If you talk like us follow along in actual Bible, Acts chapter 8, we're going to get there in, in just a second. I, I get the opportunity to open the scriptures today, and, um, and I take that very seriously, and I enjoy it. Anytime you open the Bible, you want to ask at least two questions. One, um, what happened? And two, and more importantly, what's happening in me right now because of what happened? So I have one theme today that I'm going to put language around in three separate different frameworks. So before we get into this, about a three to four minute review of what we talked about in the first service, because it'll help this one uh, make more sense. There was an American in the late 80s who came to Australia. Americans love Australian culture, we're enamored by it, but we have no concept of the sheer size of things here, particularly size of things like cattle properties. And um, my, my, my pastor is an old cattleman and his property when he was uh, coming up was 70 miles long by 30 miles wide. To an American, that is the state of Connecticut. That is humongous. And the American could not get his head around, how do you keep the cows from running away when you can't fence up the whole thing? Because of course you can't fence up the whole thing. And the farmer explained to the American that what you do is you have a surveyor come in and you put specific and strategic wells down certain parts of your property creating viable water sources. And he said, if, the, if you have right water sources, the cows won't venture too far from that um, because they'll die. And he said, might, might. If you got proper wells, you don't need all those fences. Which leads me to Jesus. Jesus was transitioning the world from a fence-based ministry to a well-based ministry. In the Old Testament, there were 613 fences. 613 rules of in and out, us and them, clean and unclean, worthy, unworthy. Jesus had two fence posts, love God, treat others as you would want to be treated. And you can do something more profound than being right about singular scriptures. You can fulfill the whole lot. And, and of course, the book of Acts is the natural outworking of that. When, when people get profoundly connected by something like that, it only stands to reason that there's going to be very surprising things when people try to outwork that like a Roman centurion being asked to pastor the first church with no theological training. That was surprising. It was surprising in Acts 4 that uneducated people were being used by God. And these people had great persecution. And then there's a strange encounter with one of Jesus's followers, a guy named Philip and an Ethiopian eunuch. I'm gonna just read part of that that, that passage um, to catch us up. It says, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? In other words, I'd like to join your Jesus movement. Is there anything stopping that from happening? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Now, this passage should lead us with with questions like, well, is there too much information in the passage? Like, why include the detail that he's a eunuch? Is that actually necessary? It would be embarrassing for the whole world to know you were missing part of your anatomy. Why include that in in the passage? And why is this eunuch, this foreigner eunuch, choosing to worship in Jerusalem? And why is he clutching the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, which is what we find out. What's going on there? And is there any reason why he couldn't be baptized? And I think what what this passage is confronting us with is the question I started with with the illustration, which is, are we gonna be a fence-based church or are we gonna be a well-based church? And what are the differences between the two? Because all the tension in this story comes from Deuteronomy 23. In Deuteronomy 23, it says this, no one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter into the assembly of the Lord. In other words, eunuchs will never be accepted by God. The same passage goes on to say, if you're a foreigner, you will not be accepted by God. There are more fences in Deuteronomy 23 than in Jesus's entire ministry. But when you're transitioning from that fence based, are you worthy thought to something more profound? What do you, what, do, how do you navigate that? And what, what happened in this story is that, is that Phillips did, chose to do something that I think all of us are called to do. As Jesus followers, as a Christ centered community, we are called to be people who fulfill scripture instead of being right about singular verses you can always find a rule that declares somebody unclean or unworthy. There's 613 of them. That should cover the gamut for almost any person. At some point, you will find some rule that you can find written somewhere that disqualifies somebody. But a Christ-centered community says, no, 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 we have moved from that fence-based paradigm to a well-based paradigm. And the well-based paradigm asks a more important question, which is, which is, how can I fulfill scripture by doing unto others as you would have them do unto you, instead of being right about singular verses? Now, I think if I could speak as part of the team here at New Hope, which I think I, I think I qualify, okay? If I could speak as part of the team about the type of church that New Hope is trying to build, as much as any church I go to in the world, New Hope intentionally endeavors to be a well-based place, not a fence-based place. Now, once again, no one argues that. No one says, no, we'd rather be rule-based, We'd rather be in and out, us and them, clean and No, that's boring. No one likes that, right? But the problem is, is that if we don't have language around what that is, then it gets very frustrating. So I've endeavored to put some language around this. Uh, One, Jesus doesn't ask, are you worthy? Jesus is more concerned with, are you thirsty? Jesus never says, have you kept all the rules? Jesus just simply says, hey, do you want it? Do you want in? And if you want it, then, then you belong. Because Jesus called his followers to facilitate and celebrate every person's next yes and be a part of that process. And the only question we're asking here is, is are you thirsty? What does that mean? It means are you teachable? Are you humble? Are you responsible and are you passionate about the infinite possibilities God could do with your life? Are you willing to put your trust in his version of your life story instead of your own? And we're here to facilitate and celebrate whatever that next step is for you because we are not concerned with, are you worthy? We are far more obsessed with, do you want it? Are you thirsty? Are you teachable? You know, are you humble? Are you responsible? Are you passionate? Let's say it another way. Fence-based ministries are obsessed with sinning less. Well-based ministries are obsessed with loving more. And those are two different things. Offense-based ministry, we don't water down sin around here. We call sin what it is, and we're going to compel people to sin less. And that works terribly. Sin management works terribly. A well-based ministry is obsessed with loving more. And in loving more, the sin problem sort of takes care of itself. Let, let, let's say it this way. Offense-based ministry says everything needs to be fixed. Hey, be open with me about your life so I can judge it and then help you fix it, Right? Once again, even if it's good-hearted, not effective. A fence-based ministry is obsessed with, how can I fix everything? A well-based ministry is obsessed with nothing needs to be hidden. Like, wait a minute, if, what if we created a culture where people could be open about the things they want to do before they actually do them, and we bring that into the light? Wouldn't that just take care of itself? See, a fence-based ministry is obsessed with, are you worthy? Have you kept all the rules? A well-based ministry goes, ah, nobody keeps all the rules. We, we, we're, we're, we're wanting to know, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Are you saying your next yes and keep responding to God every single day? And then that will take care of itself. Offense-based ministry is obsessed with sinning less. A well-based ministry is obsessed with loving more. Offense-based ministry is obsessed with fixing your life. A well-based ministry is obsessed with creating a culture where nothing has to be hidden. And then we trust the spirit of God to do all the convicting and all the changing. Maybe we could say it a couple different ways. The overuse of fences is not necessary if there's a well-stocked well. You don't need all the fences if there's a water source that we're pointing people to. There were 613 fences in the Old Testament. Jesus had two fence posts. By Acts 15, they had dumbed it down to four. Food sacrifice to idols, blood, meat of strangled animals, and sexual immorality. That's a pretty good effort. In a decade or two, they moved the whole system from 613 fences to four fence posts with the goal of getting to two, love God and treat others as you would want to be treated. That is an amazing effort. Maybe we can say it this way. Are we gravitating to the center regardless of the fencing? And I think that's what a thirsty culture does. A thirsty culture gravitates to the center regardless of where the fences are. Look, A fence-based ministry says, where's the fence so I know not to cross it? A well-based ministry doesn't worry about the fence because they're heading towards the center. There's a more profound reason to live in life than being in or out. And hopefully we know this by now. Look, it's not that fences aren't necessary. I'll give you an example. Don't kill each other. That's a really good rule, right? But doing unto others as you would have them do unto you fixes that. If you do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, murder is not a thing right? Hey, here's a good one. Don't take each other's things. Really good. Like that is a really good rule for a civilized society to promote life. It is. But if we're doing unto others as we would have them do unto us, taking other people's things is not a thing because you would never want someone to take your things. Hey, here's a good one. Don't sleep with other people's spouses. That's a really good rule, right? But, but, but here's the truth of it, right? If, if you need the Bible to tell you don't kill somebody, I think you might've missed the point. Right? If you go, you know what? I I so want to kill them, but because the Bible forbids it, I'm not. I I think that is a pretty unprofound way to live, right? Like we sort of know that. If 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 you don't get what I'm saying here, here's what I want you to do. Okay? This will illustrate it great, right? Um, after this is over, I want you to take your spouse to coffee, and I want you to look at them in the eye. I want you to hold them by the hand, and I want you to say, "Listen, I love you with all of my heart, but the only reason I'm not sleeping with everybody else is because the Bible forbids it." See how that works? Right? Right? (laughs) We all know. That there's a more profound way to live. When we're gravitating to the center, the fences, it's like, what, we, do we actually need that rule anymore? If, if we're, if, if we're, if we're gravitating, yeah, and believe me, we need the rule, don't murder. But if we're gravitating to the center, like that, that rule is so far out there. Let, let's say it another way. Are we focused on direction instead of distance? A fence-based ministry obsesses about Distance a well-based ministry is focused entirely on direction. Like a well-based ministry can say, we are here to facilitate and celebrate every person's next yes, regardless of how far from the center they are. But if they're facing towards the center, we celebrate that. Like I was doing a, 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 a big volunteer night for a pretty big church. There was hundreds of people at this thing. Supposedly, you were supposed to be on team to be a part of the night, right? And part of it, the, and there was just hundreds. And my job was to, to celebrate that and motivate and, hey, keep going. It's, it's a really cool thing, right? And part of their night was telling stories to motivate people like what you do matters. But the rule was you had to tell your story in less than 60 seconds. And they had like this security guy on a stopwatch going like, like You, you went over 60 seconds. They're going to take that mic from you. Right. Now I was up next. The guy that went last, right. And I was like panicking. The guy that went last came up and all these people were like, I saw God do this. I saw God do that. Right. And they're doing this. And, and this guy came up and this is how he started. Hello, everybody. I'm an atheist. Like, cause when you want to kill a party, right. And I, and I thought, I thought this guy has waited to the last moment to come up and call it all bupkis, put a blanket on the thing. And I, I, I was up next. So I had already worked out, how am I going to loving, be loving and honoring and celebrate this guy to sort of de-escalate? I'd already planned it in my head because he shocked me, right? But this is how it went. He said, I'm an atheist. I'm, an, I'm a lonely atheist. And some people told me that you would let me belong to your thing, whether I believed in God or not. So I tested it out and I showed up. And true to their word, you are the nicest group of people I think I've ever met. He said, by my second week here, you asked me to join your host team. He said, what that means is every Sunday I have a job. My job is to be kind to people on the door, show people where children's ministry is, and point women to the bathroom. He said, you are a church with an atheist door greeter. (laughs) And I thought, this is amazing. And he said, he said, because of your kindness, my story is this. Tonight, I'm making a decision to step back and consider God might be real. Well, the whole place went crazy. Why? Because if you can't celebrate that guy's next yes, then we have become fence-based instead of well-based. A fence-based ministry can't handle that. A fence-based ministry goes, yeah, but what about this? And what about that? And he hasn't done our ritual. And what if he dies in an accident? Wait. So it's all the questions it's like, wait a minute, wait. A minute. This guy is facing towards the center and he just responded and said his next yes. Yes, a fence-based ministry is consumed with distance. A well-based ministry is obsessed with direction. Let's say it this way. Fences matter less when we're focused on moving towards the center. Or we can say it this way. In old communities, the whole village centered around the well. Here's the question for us. What if we build wells instead of fences? See, wells represent thirst and life and provision, prosperity and abundance. Maybe we can say it this way. Jesus was a fence destroyer. And a well inviter. See, Philip ignores all the fences and just keeps talking about the well. At no point in the passage is he is he like, yeah, but you're a foreigner, and there's this thing, and hey, wait, there's this there's this other thing, and you know, actually, you know, eunuchs aren't welcome. And then, of course, it's important if I can remind us of something that we talked about here a lot. But it's important when we read scripture to not consider plotted points, but the entire historical arc of the story. Right? In Deuteronomy 23, it says, "No eunuch is welcome." In Isaiah 56, Isaiah's like, I think if a eunuch wants it, God would never put them out, right? And in Matthew 19, Jesus is like, actually, some people are made eunuchs by God. If you can accept that, you can. And then by Acts 8, Philip's like, you know what, there is no reason a foreigner eunuch can't be a part of what we're doing. If you want, you rode a horse mate from Ethiopia. That counts as thirst. Let's go for it. See, we don't need any fence that doesn't lead to the well. That's the point. Any fence that doesn't lead to the well. Are fences important? Sure, as long as they're corralling us to the center instead of as obstacles to jump over. If fences make it more difficult to get to the well, then they've missed the point. In John chapter seven, Jesus does one of the most radical things you could ever imagine someone doing. It's at the Feast of Tabernacles, which happens in Jerusalem, still happens to this day, where people live in tents for a week. I have a good friend in in Wisconsin who who is a uh, Christ-believing Jew that every week, every year on that week, he lives in his backyard in a tent. And it's not because it's a fence. It's not because it's a rule. I asked him why he does it. He says, because it's important for him to remember that if God had not engaged his story, he would still be a homeless refugee slave right? And what they do at the Feast of Tabernacles is they they declare in a loud voice, my father was a wandering Aramean. My father was a wandering Aramean. In other words, had God not interceded in my story, I would still be a homeless refugee slave. But because God has interceded in my story, this is where I am. It is so important that we never lose sight of where we would be had God not interjected himself into our story. And if we lose sight of what that would be, then we can lose sight of our place in their story. And Jesus stands up on the temple steps, the most fence-based thing in the history of the world, 613 rules. And here's what he says in John chapter seven. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from him. Of this, he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. In other words, hey, you know that full presence of God that you've been taught your whole life lives behind a curtain in that building? No, 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 no. It's only available to certain people, certain moments, certain times. No, no, no. There's 700 fences you got to get to to get to it. No, no. Here's the one rule. Do you want it? You want it? Anybody want it? Then you can have the whole thing. Can you imagine the Q&A at that one? What if you're a Moabite? Yep, everyone. I can read that in Greek and I can tell you the word anyone is actually anyone. Yeah. What if they're a eunuch? Yep. Ammonites? Yep. Sidonites? Yep. You want to go through all 613 or can we just say anyone who's thirsty we are moving from an are you worthy paradigm to an are you thirsty paradigm which leads me to a few questions cuz great sermons are not meant to be agreed with nor disagreed with they're meant to be wrestled with for application couple questions one when's the last time i saw god do something that made me uncomfortable when's the last time i saw god do something that was like i didn't think god could do that that doesn't fit the fence <laughs> One of my best friends in the world is a guy named Richard Crisco. Richard Crisco was the youth pastor during something 25 years ago called the Brownsville Revival. Amazing healings and stuff. And I asked him one time at dinner, I said, tell me a story from Brownsville that, that you didn't think God could do. He said, oh, He said, there was this one time, there was a group of young people who came specifically to make fun of us They were in the balcony area and they were doing these Saturday night live skits where they were pretending to pray for people and people were and it was just all humor and comedy and mocking and people he said it was 2:30 in the morning. We'd been there since six in the morning. And he said, In my tiredness, I looked up and I saw them making fun of us, and I thought, God send a bear to eat them now, you know. (laughs) And he said, he said, the next thing I knew, they were down the front, and I thought, that's enough. We're yeah, you can't do that down here. And he said, I walked over to them and was gonna tell them that's enough. And then he said, the leader of the group said, please help us. And he said, what happened to y'all? He said, sir, we were here to make fun of you. I don't know if you saw, but we were up there doing skits, making fun of you. And Pastor Richard said, I saw. And he said, well, one of the skits was, we have a friend, he was hurt in an accident. He's paralyzed from the waist down. He's in a wheelchair. And we had strings and stuff. We had attached it to all kinds. And I was gonna pretend to pray for him. And then we were gonna move him around like a puppet. You It was gonna be hilarious which leads me to this question. Like, if you have friends like that, who needs, right? And he said, when I pretended to pray for him, he said fire went through him and now he's able to walk. And he said, "I, I I need help. We've messed with something that's above us. And Richard Crisco said, can God use an atheist to pray for another atheist with the goal of making fun of God, to heal them, to show them his love? And he said, I would have thought, no way, that's not in my fences. But when God does it, who am I to argue? Have I honored a right, wrong, in, out, clean, unclean paradigm over a hungry, thirsty paradigm? Is there any place I'm blaming right now instead of being thirsty? Am I teachable? Have I lost my teachability? Am I flexible? If God saw fit to fill them with the Holy Spirit, who am I to argue? And really the question I want us to wrestle with is, are we building deeper wells or higher fences? Are we building deeper wells? So I bless you, new hope to intentionally and specifically be a well-based church instead of a fence-based one. Keep going on that paradigm. Be obsessed with are you thirsty instead of are you worthy? Be obsessed with loving more instead of sending less. Be obsessed with creating a culture where nothing has to be hidden instead of everything has to be fixed. Be obsessed with direction instead of distance. Be people who facilitate and celebrate everyone's next yes with God and trust God with them As well as you allow ourselves to be surprised by everything God is up to, regardless of how we think God operates. I hope Jesus got bigger for you, the cross worked better, the resurrection is central, and scriptures got bigger for you, not smaller. May we be that kind of community. Grace and peace, everybody. God bless.